0: Good morning and welcome to Wisdom Seekers class. My name is Mark Burke. I'm going to be your teacher this morning. And um, for those of you that are going to be watching this later, um, you'll have access to the handout in the archives. Um, The title of this this morning's teaching is um, um, Apostolic Words to Sons in the Faith. And I've really been thinking a lot about this over the last uh, number of weeks. And the other night I was just doing some um, some study before I uh, you know went to bed like most of you you probably you know try to read a little bit before you go to sleep, which is always a good practice um, and as I began reading um, in first Timothy there were there were a couple of verses that really s- spoke to me in a way that I had not really um, thought about much and it related to the topic here and I think I had done some previous teachings, and I can't remember exactly when it was, but it's been several weeks back where I had some of the things on this page, but I didn't get to those. Uh, But we're going to look at some of those uh, verses and passages this morning. But um, as a people, we have to be very careful what we allow in through our eyes and and, and what we allow to come into our... um, our ears what we hear it's so important because um, there are all kinds of false teachings that are in in the Christian church and you know if you if you are on Facebook you can find it doesn't take you very long at all to really find a lot of nonsense that's out there a lot of babble, thing it's just a lot of chatter and it's not scriptural. And I want to give you an example of one that came across my feed last night, just last night. And again, I'm not speaking, you know, bad towards an individual, but we do have to weigh what we hear, and we weigh that against Scripture. So this particular post, it was, it was short, but this person was going on a rant about saying that the word Christian is satanic. And immediately I I was just I was just like are are you kidding me? Did I read that wrong? So I stopped and I looked at it again. And then I start looking at some of the comments from people. Some were like um and 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 the and the rest of the statement let me, let me finish it was um this is what's wrong with the Christian church. It didn't make any sense at all. It was it was senseless, meaningless, and so I thought, you know what? The first scripture that came to mind was they were first called Christians where in Antioch. So I, you know, I said, I'm just going to post that verse, and that's what I did. And so several people started chiming in and going, you know, liking it and saying thanks for putting us on here because it. it uh, the Christian, Christian—the word Christian is not satanic. I mean, real basic principle. And I'm thinking, this guy calls himself, he's in a third world country, calls himself a pastor, and he's saying the word Christian is satanic. Well, probably of the satanic church, probably. <laughs> but, um, I mean, things like that, I mean, it's just, it's so blatant. But then you've got you know, teachings that have a, a a little bit of truth, but then there's error mixed in with it, and that's where you get a heresy, and um, some of it's very subtle. And so we just have to be very careful, and we need to alert one another to these types of teachings. And um, the Apostle Paul was very, very specific with his son in the faith, Timothy. He was instructing him and charging him and giving him apostolic words and mandates and telling him you know guard over this shun this i mean he's using real, avoid this and we're going to we're going to look at this and and i know it's really important too that we don't we we need to do these things among the sons in the faith we're not just going out trying to You know rip up somebody you know it's it's our motivation is not that it's we need to alert one another when 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 we see or hear or somebody's welcoming a certain type of ministry into the network you know that kind of thing we have we ever have a responsibility over that as individuals and when we see it we need to start to address it and and it's not something that's pleasant and and but we have to do it. otherwise, the enemy will try to come in and infiltrate and he'll try to just take over a network that God's establishing all over all over the world. and a lot of this is going to have to come through um, I mean obviously we can't be physically in every place, but I think the things that we put out. Be it teachings, messages, books, everything like that helps to do that. But everything like we put on our website and on our, on our social media sites, we need to be doing this type of thing. You know, it and you can interject something. You know, like when you're trying to correct your children or or, or something like that. You don't. You do it in a loving way, but you have to be really specific. You can't just be all wishy washy and, you know speak things that are just hoping they're going to get the meaning we need to be direct with one another is what I'm saying so I've got this subheading here and this is the phrase that came to me that night as I was reading it teach no other doctrine from 1st Timothy 1 3 so that's the first passage that we're going to look at and that that phrase there teach no other doctrine actually comes from 1st Timothy 1 3 so let's just read the first four verses of 1st Timothy chapter 1 It says Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment by the mandate of Theos our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ which is our hope unto Timothy and I love the, Timothy's name it means dear to Theos or dear to God um, mine own son in the pistis. The, the the right hand, the place where we function with God, we hear from God what He wants to do, and we partner with that. We know that's what faith means. The first thing He says is to you, and then followed by mercy, and then peace. And who's the source of all three of those? God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. There are no other sources. True genuine sources of grace, mercy, and peace, we don't need to look anywhere else. And that's something that some people within our network, some people, this is the terminology that Paul used with Timothy. He didn't just say, well everybody's in this. He would always say some. Some are 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 causing people to be shipwrecked. And so I just I, I speak to people that are that are engaged in this where they're welcoming things in that are not necessarily they're not scriptural there's no need for us to go outside and look for grace somewhere else there's no need for us to look for mercy or peace or any other of those things outside the source of God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ everything we need are in them and the way that we tap into that is by interceding in the spirit and and getting to know the Lord um which we've been doing and will continue to do from now to eternity. And so we have the true source to everything we need. And Paul says that in these first two two verses. Now, in verse 3 he says as I besought thee, he brings in the term parakaleo. So Paul is apostolically inviting and invoking his son in the faith to do something what exactly is that first thing he said is i want you to abide still at ephesus now abiding here is not meno; it's pros minnow which means timothy i, I i'm inviting you in, and i'm and i'm calling you into this ministry in ephesus of all places and while you're there i'm gonna i'm gonna go to macedonia and here's what you, I'm asking you to do while you're there. I charge you. And the word charge there is two Greek words, para angelos. So angel is a part of this and it just means to transmit a message to you. He said there are some that are that teach that or t- some that they teach no other doctrine. No other doctrine here. Look at look at the terminology here. It's it's comprised of two words, heteros and didaskalia and if you look at it it means to instruct differently so he's telling timothy this is a parakaleo type of ministry that i'm calling you to transmit a message to some of the people that they don't teach any other thing than what what i've what i've been teaching you and what you've learned from me that's very important very important and paul is telling timothy to do this in an Ephesus-like environment. So that means, and that's we're in that type of, of, of environment as well. Think, think with me just for a minute. How would the enemy try to get us to teach some other doctrine besides what we've learned? How, how would he do that? Okay, he, he could twist the words. One thing that comes to my mind is he could get people to try to feel like um, they need something further from another source. Okay, like they're weary of the word or something. Okay, weary of the word. Or, um, well, I think
1: there's, an, iniqui- there's an, iniquitous, an iniquitous compassion that is really um, infiltrating the young generation. They're, the compassion that they have, I believe, is uh, is being given for the hour of their fulfillment, because they're to exhibit the compassion that Jesus had. But instead, I think the enemy has twisted it with all this inclusiveness where, you know, every poor Joe and every, you know, every person in group that's ever been, you know, oppressed in one way or another, they have become overly compassionate to be inclusive, no matter what anyone's doing or has done, or whether it's, you know really they're calling good evil and evil good they're just they're, they're really flipping it and whereas you know the compassion of jesus was not bent upon what they're trying to put that platform on it's about his compassion was to bring restoration you know he wanted to bring restoration to people not to let them continue and flounder in their sin You're right and to just you know it's not compassion to accept them just because you know they want to continue to do what they're doing But I believe that the new generation, that's where the iniquity is coming in and trying to twist them because they are really, they're so sweet. Have you ever seen a, you know, they're so, you know, they just, oh my gosh, they want to, they just feel sorry for everybody. And, And of course, but then at the same time, they get vicious. If they, if anyone ever tries to say that someone can't be included, then all of a sudden, you know, we're the devil I don't, I'm saying too much. No, no,
0: I'm just I'm listening, but processing.
1: Today, when you talk about something coming to the church, if a younger generation is influencing the focus of a, a people group or whatever, that the word may change because they want they want the doctrine to mirror what they're
0: feeling regarding that and take what is compassion. Yeah, and that those those are. Good comments, you know. Les, you said a few good, you know, things about what was that last thing you were saying about the oh being flat. I mean, we can come up with all different manners of. The the whole point of it is, is why would we want to seek another source when we have the true source of all things? It. You know, I mean, you sit there and you look at the Old Testament.
2: Yeah. And you look at the Israelites in the wilderness. Mm Mm-hmm. Here you have a people that were in the very presence of the Lord witnessing his miracles. And what was their biggest issue? Idolatry. Mm -hmm. They were seeking other things. And Uh, they were
1: seeking a point of provision outside. I mean, they weren't happy with the provision that was being given. That what was
0: provided to them.
2: Right. That content, and that's why this whole, you know, contentment is so important. Because, I mean, there's always more. I mean, there's always more stuff you can search for and want and all that. But, you know, to be content with what the Lord has for you and, has, and where He has you. And mm-hmm.
1: um, every, to me, in every point of growth we've had, that's been something that we've all had to learn and change and grow. Because, you know, you get to a certain level and then you have expectations, but then you had to learn to be content yeah. with where you are there. I mean, it really never changes that point of submission. To where he has you, what your scope of, whatever it is, you know, provision, ministry, anything you want to call it. Yeah. And you're always wanting, how can I, you know, get the thing I really want?
2: Well, you know what we should want is what God wants. For that's us. right. That's that's it. I mean, I, and I'm not saying this to be like righteous or anything, but I sit there and walk the dog in the morning, and I see some of these houses around, you know, where we live, and and I, I think that's a.
1: That's a gorgeous house. I like that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but the first thing that pops into my head is, I only want what you want for me, Lord. I mean, I am totally yeah. content. Yeah. I'm totally happy. I only want what he wants. And you know what? If he wants us to have that or if he wants whatever, he, I don't really, what, whatever I don't, I don't really care. Whatever he provides. As long as I have what he wants me to have, yes. I'm happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want any more. I don't want any less. And the Lord has really been highlighting that passage um out of Proverbs about you know feed me with food convenient for me only give me Mm -hmm. what you know I need yeah don't feed me with food that's too rich or that doesn't have enough you know whatever I mean just feed me with what you know I need because you know what we might think we know what we need we do not we do
0: not know yeah we (laughs) know right yeah the way the way we think about needs you know is it's so different than, we than the way he needs use it, with our, with wants. right? Like,
2: that's it. You know, I mean, we, we we need air to breathe and you know water to drink and.
0: Some well, that's that. You, know. you bring up contentment. I was reading that, that one of those verses because it's mentioned in one of these books. You know, it talks about contentment and basically he says as long as you have food and raiment, that's it. That's really what, what you need. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but we we, t- we attach so many other things and. To it and it's not it's not godly but he said that that leads to, to godly contentment and um, it also it's leads, true
2: it says happiness with contentment is great gain great gain megas okay I mean
0: I can actually what more do we
2: want great I mean great gain just I mean being happy and content with what the Lord has for you and where he has you But that's, I mean, that's so not our, our fleshly, carnal human nature, right? We're, always, right? we're always striving and wanting, you know, building bigger barns for more stuff. I mean, it's just like. Well, here's the
1: thing, Wes. I mean, you have people who, who are in physical want. I mean, they really do have needs. You know, you're not a person like that. You really have plenty. But you could still want more. So it never changes. It's the same premise for anyone, no matter where you are, whether you're, you know, really struggling. If you're very
0: poor, you're very rich. And, yeah, you're and
1: still It doesn't matter. Right. There can, you can always have that, that point of needing more, that and you know, not being content or happy. It doesn't matter where you are in the station of things and where God has you, because where God has you is where God has you. And that's just the, that's just the, the bottom line of it for all of us. There's a reason why you are where you are. Right. there's a reason why you have what you have or or don't have you know
0: right mm-hmm. and and it's all part of the uh, uh moving in the um, eternal plan and purpose That's right. it's just and, and you've you got to, to you got to view it that way and tell yourself that all the time because your mind your human mind will is it's like a battlefield when it comes to that it's yeah. like yeah but no 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 your flesh, I'm, I'm, yeah
1: your flesh is really contending with that all yeah. the time
0: yeah, all it's the true. time.
1: But, so you have a church or a, someone who may be seeking more, and they want the word to fit what they what they want to have.
0: Yeah, again, those things are... We, we, we've we all learned, and we're still learning. I'm not saying we're, we're perfect in it, but, you know, we've been in this for, you, know, you guys have been in like 20 years? We're close, close behind, and it's just at every phase, Where, wherever we're at developmentally, the principles are still the same. And, and you can get it, wayward any, at, any t- at, at any point. At any point. And I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on one thing that Les was was referencing here before we move on. Uh, that verse in 1 Timothy 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. He says, for we brought nothing into this world. <laughs> Here's perspective. <laughs> It's certain we're we're going to carry nothing out, and if we have food and raiment, let us therefore be content. And that just period right there. So, having something to eat, having having raiment, you know, is what we need uh, physically or spiritually. That leads to contentment, and uh, and I think I'm learning uh, more and more how important that really is and how it's a reality in my thinking and in my spirit you know it's not just words on a page it's something that the breath of god imprints into us it's just who we are and and that's something that's learned uh, it's not something we necessarily
1: something you submit to <laughs> yeah.
0: very much so um so thank you guys for all the input there um and then in verse 4, he says, Timothy, when you're, I just, I'm fascinated with how um, <coughs> he could have said any other city, but he chose to Ephesus because I believe the enemy wants to try to get into an Ephesus-like ministry or environment and try to get people to start believing other, other doctrines and other things that are not necessarily, that are not scriptural. And... Um, and he's charging Timothy to go in, and he says, not only not only do you need to teach people not to uh, partake of this, but he says, neither give heed, prosecco, to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> They're... No, nothing against ancestry, but you know what? That could, that could kind of plop right in there with endless type of genealogies where people, I mean, there are some people that are just taken away by that. Um, to me, that, that just kind of could lead to additional question, questions. Um, genealogies in and of itself are kind of confusing anyway, so especially when you're trying to trace it back many many years but he says which minister questions rather than godly edifying theos oikodome or building up that's the term there which is in faith so do so here is the first principle here that I want to just just restate we need to charge others to teach no other doctrine don't instruct differently don't try to weave something into a message that that has humanistic thought in it combined with spirit-led thought. None of that. We, we, and we need to be... Um, I know that God's put a, a an alerting or an alarm on the inside of us whenever we hear something like that or we read it um, or even visually you see something that may not be... Um and that's something you know as seers we have to be very careful that we don't misinterpret what we see cuz sometimes I don't I, I'm, I don't know about you but you may see something and then you're waiting going okay lord can you tell me what that means <laughs> and he may not say anything but let <laughs> you see it but then there's other times where you see something and you hear explanations of what's actually going on, but everything that we we just have to be very careful is what I'm saying. All of us. We are in Ephesus and I just pray that individuals that are partaking of things that are not godly would recognize with the scripture the error of their ways. And people know when you are being very genuine and they know when, when, when the motivation within you is correct. And that's the thing we have to just make sure that we keep in check is when we're, when we're speaking about these things that it comes out of a, a heart of agape and it's, now in that though, that it may take different forms. It may come where somebody is speaking very, you know, just in a conversational tone but then it may come out in another way where it's, it's maybe in a bombastic. So we can't bombastic and uh, conversational doesn't mean, oh, that one that was really loud over here. Boy, they, they're not speaking out of the right motivation. It's something in the heart, and the person will feel the genuineness um, of, of somebody trying to help them. And versus you, you've all been around people that are just criticizing you about everything you do, right? We know, people know the difference. And, and I don't... I mean, that's why, you know, the whole speaking the truth in love, or, mm-hmm. you know I
2: mean? You just speak the truth in love. Yeah. We can't make somebody believe something, Mm-mm. right? No. and, you know, believing a lie. And, I mean, just... I was just looking in, in First Thessalonians. Um, Let no man deceive you by any means. Right. And it says, For that day shall not come, except there come first a falling away. Well, falling away? What does that mean? I mean, to me that means you have a group of people that believe something or believed something and then they fall away from that truth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... There's ample warning to believers about deception and end days and false doctrines and false teachers and you know cunning words you know designed to to trick us basically. But I mean, we have we have the yardstick against which everything should be measured, right?
0: Yeah, that, that's that's the key.
2: That is the key. I mean, yeah. it, it all has to be measured. Everything, yeah, against. The yardstick, the word, mm-hmm. and anything that's contrary to it, yeah, mark it off, right? Throw
0: it away. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty simplistic <laughs> if we were, you know, and I say we because you know, it, it, it at any point, you know, the enemy. I mean, if we think back over the last number of years, we've tried to really. He's tried different ways to get us to fall away, or try to get us to believe something that's a lie. I mean, it—it's—we're not—we're all going to experience it to some degree, but we don't bite on it. We don't just say, you know what? Well, I maybe Jesus wasn't born. um, Well, maybe he wasn't the son of God. Maybe he was only the son of man. You know, and start trying to. so, yeah, you're right, Les. The scripture is our yardstick, and that is one of the safeguards. No matter what we see and vision, no matter what we experience, if it's, if, 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 if you feel like you're in a, in, a, in a heavenly place and you think the name of it is Kalamazoo, it's not of the Lord because that's not in the scripture. So um, some of these people that are naming these places, I, know, I, I feel like I know what's happening. I feel like they are misinterpreting... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm not going to tell so you what I'm really thinking about. Now. Piggly <laughs> <Wiggly>. <laughs> yeah, Piggly Wiggly uh uh So <clears throat> Yeah, and Trish, Trisha took a picture of a Piggly Wiggly that was uh, still um uh, not open, but it was still there the sign and sent it to him one time. It was funny. Um So yes. We just need to let the scripture be our our final guide in that. Now, 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5, this same phrase, teach no other doctrine, is mentioned again. Uh, And this is in the context of um, the apostle Paul is speaking to masters and their servants, but the principle is still here. He said, if any man teach otherwise or instruct differently and consent not to wholesome Hygienologos Logos words, and these are the words that are, that are sound, that are healthy, that are purposeful, they're uncorrupt. Even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and of the doctrine, which is according to godliness, He is proud, knowing nothing, doting about questions and strifes of words, wherein comes envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings. I think there's four, four, four things there. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. And he says they are destitute of the Aletheia. Supposing that gain is godliness. And then the Apostle Paul says when you encounter these types of individuals. Um, he says you withdraw from them. So this thought that i've heard from different individuals or you know just read about or you hear on the internet about we, we about how you shouldn't separate yourselves and, and that that's just really not true depending on the context like in this case paul says yeah you need to remove yourself away from this if you hang around with someone that is that is not teaching wholesome words that are and that are filled with corruption or are, are just not sound or healthy then that can eventually take you out as well right if you're if you're around prideful people all the time if you're around people that are are doting about questions and 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 you know you you could be um succumb to envy you could be, you could you're going to get it's going to get inside you it's going to contaminate you and we know we're not we can't we're going to face some of this but when it gets to the point where the truth is involved and and paul says they're destitute destitute of the aletheia then he says you know what and they've got wrong intentions um he says it's time for you to step away it's time for you to to remove yourself from that that's a biblical principle and, I, and I, I've always heard this phrase from someone, I can't remember who it was, but they always used to say, it's easier to pull somebody down the ladder than it is to take them up. Yeah, right. And that's the principle. Um, and Boy, I'm thinking of someone right now that used to be a part of our network, and it just grieves my heart to know that they've allowed certain influences to come in and remove them. And they are getting ready to make some of the most important decisions in their life. And I stand back and I go, Lord, it, does not have to, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, and I'm, I'm going to bring up an example here. I'm not going to use any names. But one of the most important decisions people make is their marriage partner. I think you all would agree to that. And this walk that we're in makes it even that much harder <laughs> much harder and i am speaking from a um from a marriage status and I try to think about you know all through the years you guys are probably thinking about different ones that were eventually they allowed that to be their driving force or that just kind of eventually pulled them out, they got involved in in relationships that maybe they shouldn't have. And then things happened as indicators of, like, it never should have happened, but it did. Um, I pray for our young people. I pray for people within our network that are uh, single. And because I know if the wrong decision is made, it's gonna be terror it's gonna be rough and I know you know I look around I'm thinking well there's not a lot of young people that's one thing that you know they point to is like well there's not really anybody here to choose from I get that i mean, I I see that um, but you don't want to get involved in a relationship that it end up in divorce three or four years later and then you got two kids in the mix and then see you know what you want to do that and I remember this many years ago it's been over 20 years ago the Lord showed me in a dream and I know you got to be careful with these things and you don't prophesy about certain things or uh, unless you're absolutely certain and that particular night I didn't go to bed wanting to dream about somebody that was supposed to be getting married and if they did they were going to be ended up divorced that was the dream the marriage was just around the corner yeah exactly and i'm thinking lord what do i do with this i didn't want this i don't want to say anything i was just going to pray about it you know but what do you do it just it, it just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger and it would not go away and i'm like so as it intensified i okay, hey, this must be your way of saying I need you to say something to this person. Not knowing 15 years from that point that there would be a divorce and that there would be two kids involved. And I'm like, okay, Lord. So I approached the individual. Just I just shared the dream. Nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> That's it. And um, left it at that. Of course, there were some words exchanged, and I was just – I just stood there and I took it. Like, I mean, what are you going to do? And um, so, about five, six years ago, I, f- I get a message. I forget how it was. I think maybe it was on Facebook. They're single or whatever. And uh, they ended up, just like the Lord revealed in the dream, that there was going to be a divorce and that there were going to be kids involved. And I got the opportunity. This person lives in my hometown. And I got the opportunity to go and sit down. Fifteen years later, and talk to the individual and her, her parents, and I was—we um, still have a great, you know, relationship. Um, and and so I bring that up to say, marriage is so important. You know, as we're as we're discussing with withdrawing ourselves away, you know, I would not even. Even venture to think about involving myself in relationship if it was not directed in this in this walk is people are setting themselves up and we I've heard all kinds of arguments with this you know well there's there's not anybody here my age, and people start thinking with the wrong parts of their body at this point. I'm uh, just being graphic because I think that's what the driving force is. And then they start quoting scriptures. Well, Paul said it's better to you know, marry than to burn. And, <laughs> and then you go down the whole, whole thing here. And, but, but then you look, not critically, at some people that we, we've known dearly here where that same same thing has happened. Um, so why am am i saying all this my heart is really really concerned about people in the in the in these situations and i try to think okay if i were in their shoes what would i do how would i respond would it be would it be difficult absolutely so let's move on it's just it's really important it's very important you know when Trish and I we didn't even start we and I, I here's here's how I think it should work out start out as friends let the friendship lead into a relationship because when you're friends with somebody you don't put up any kind of camouflage you you're just who you are right and you, people need they need to see that side of you the good the not so good when you're happy when you're joyful when you're uh, they need to see all of that because that's part of making the decision hey do I want to be with this person the rest of my life so we started as friends and it progressed into a relationship and then it led into marriage I think that's a good good way of looking at it but we did not start dating until we were both Christians and we were spirit filled at that point we just didn't do it and we were both we had both been praying about it and we knew that we were to be together um, some, of these, some of these things right now That these people I'm talking about One particular person One is a Christian The other one that doesn't even believe in God at all I'm thinking why are you even withdraw yourself is what I'm thinking And they think they're going to be this person's savior It's, it's, their, their, it's not going to work and so that's all I'm saying is, if somehow you've gotten this message and you're you're listening to this, well, just be very careful, I'm Stacy. I don't want to prolong this discussion
1: because I know you want to teach these verses. But I did know someone who who grew up in a strong Christian family and met someone and dated someone that was not a Christian, and but they did. You know they began to develop feelings for one another and he really began to pursue her and she said you have to become a Christian on your own. We know this person. And she would not she wasn't gonna enter into marriage with him until he had figured out his own beef wax. And I respect that is a strong person who can with with Hold themselves from fulfilling Mm -hmm. even maybe her own feelings because maybe she was in love with him too but she was like you gotta you gotta figure out your business but i cannot marry a person who's not doing this right and um that that astounded me that point of that kind of maturity in such a young person but you know anybody that's doing this that's the advice i would give them to say yeah you you need to that person needs to find who they are in the Lord, not through you, not hanging on you, not you know, depending on you for that relationship. They've got to figure it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a dangerous thing to enter into that covenant with an unbeliever. The Bible clearly doesn't say you can't marry someone who's not your race, which is how they like to interpret that. Right. It has everything to do with what you believe. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Period.
0: Exactly. I thought Les was getting ready to to say something. No? Okay.
2: Well, I mean, I have something I can say. By all means, brother, say it. So um, this weekend, yesterday, I was uh, meeting a couple of guys for a long bike ride. And I was over by Richardson Bike Mart right off of Garland Road. And you go up the road right there, and there's all these churches, like St. Bernard Christian Church, and then the United Methodist Church, and there's a church again. And so we usually meet kind of on that road, you know, just kind of go up and back and wait. And um, there was a church sign uh, from from, uh, a Methodist church right there. And on the church sign, I took a picture of it. It says love. Just listen to the word, the verb. I mean, the verbiage, the words here. Love is the energy that sustains the universe. Okay, love is the energy. So, so I'm I'm big about words. You know, energy. You know, it's it's a very new age word, Mm -hmm. energy, Mm -hmm. and universe. You know so I, I read that and the first word that came to my mind was universalism. Okay? And just so Just love everybody. Huh? Just love everybody. Well, that's the deal and I didn't I didn't, you know, I didn't have like the definition of universal, universalism in my in your head, head. Right. So, let me just tell you real quick what universalism means. It's a philosophical and theological concept that some ideas have universal application or applicability. The community that calls itself universalists may emphasize the universal principles of most religions and accept others in an all-inclusive manner. It is centered on the belief in a universal reconciliation between humanity and the divine. Now, this to me is an oxymoron because it says, Christian universalism. Well, that's not the <laughs> yeah. Christian universalism is focused on the idea of universal reconciliation, also known as universal salvation. It is a doctrine stating that every human soul will ultimately be reconciled to mm. God because of divine love and mercy. Okay? And you were talking about this young generation how they love everybody. They want everybody to be included. This is a tactic of the enemy.
1: Right
2: This is a tactic of the He enemy.
1: wants to circumvent what that generation's calling is in the end days
2: Absolutely Because, you know, it, look <laughs> When we run into this stuff You know, the Bible says there's a heaven to be gained And there's a hell to be shunned I mean, there are two places and you're Oh yeah, one of them. right, <laughs> right. And We're not all meeting in the happy
0: middle No, there, there's, there's really, there's no middle <laughs> at all <laughs> There's no middle It's not there at all Not a warm place It's no.
2: either hot or comfortable Yep. you know so but but that's that's from me I mean a, you know a United Methodist Church I mean a lot of these churches are going through their problems of course but you, you know who that's from that quote is that from the Richard Rohr
0: yeah I was gonna say it sounds like a lot of his theological album. and we're gonna we're gonna touch on I'm glad you brought some of that up but you know we we have to we are told by the Apostle Paul that we need to study and we need to be aware of what's going on. And he said he made it very personal. It's not just for pastor to study hours. We we need to and it's not it's not the amount of time, but it's the, the quality of the time that we have. Because you know that's that's his main role here, so therefore he can spend more time doing that. But you know you may have you may have only 15 minutes one day that's better than than no minutes at all but we need to study ourselves so that we can show be approved unto God and I remember speaking to a Roman Catholic about that one time I said do you study and it was like I asked a, a, just a <laughs> crazy question I said do you study the Bible and she said well no uh, i said you do believe the bible right yeah i said well paul said here you need to be studying oh well the priest I said, oh, no no he didn't say anything it's just for the priest in fact you are a royal priesthood and you don't recognize your identity and your calling so i started speaking to that so a lot of the things that we're talking about be it the, these quotes from from it doesn't matter who the quote is from we still have to look at it and it's one thing if you get up here and you accidentally use a misuse a word or say we're not talking about that we're talking about deliberate um, statements that people know are not scriptural or maybe they don't know whatever it doesn't matter everything needs to be filtered through the scripture. so let's look at wow and it's yeah I may have to do a two-part, maybe this afternoon, record it, or something. Uh, let's look at some of the oppositions where Paul the apostle specifically named specific individuals, just like we just exchanged here. Remember, where it's among the network, it's among the sons in the faith. That's what we should be doing. Totally. What
2: we, 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 we have, if we can't, if we don't talk about this stuff, exactly ourselves. I mean, we, we have to do that. We have to be mature enough, strong enough, thick exactly. enough. I mean, we, we, have, to do we,
0: that. we have to. We, yep. I mean, we
2: have to, yeah. We have an obligation to do that.
0: Exactly. Sorry. No, no, that's good. We, we, need, this, we need to be this way. We, the, the passion of the Lord within us needs to come out with this stuff and say, you know what, no, that is not the truth.
2: I mean you look at Jesus and the disciples I mean they got together and talked about stuff all
0: the time and he addressed things in them too they were bringing in and he's like no no we're not going
2: there yeah (laughs) again again,
0: he's doing it for our own good I know I mean, his intention is not to be critical or that's, that's man's motivations his motivations are good perfect and he knows what's best for us so here in first Timothy chapter 1 verses 18 through 20 Paul mentions uh, three different individuals by name Hamenius, Alexander and Philetus and he says Timothy this charge or mandate I commit unto you son Timothy according to the prophecies which went on before thee that you might war a good warfare holding faith or echoing faith and an agathos conscience and that, that just means um, um, out of a, uh, the pursuit in the agape you're going to have perceptions and understandings and awareness and out of that he said there's there's some that have put away they've rejected concerning the faith What what's coming from the right hand and it's caused some to be shipwrecked Shipwrecked is, is an interesting term because it speaks of like being out in the middle of the sea, not having direction, not knowing where you're at or how to navigate or, or even sinking almost. All of those are there. And Paul is telling him, he said, these, And, and he says, of whom Hymenius, which his name means uh, God of weddings, I found that very interesting. And Alexander, who his name means man defender. Look what Paul says here, these are stout words. He said, these men that I'm naming to you, I've delivered them unto Satan. So I just kind of had this thought this morning as I was in the sanctuary praying about this. And I thought, What what does this mean? It simply means it, it, it got to a point where the apostle Paul, there was nothing more he could do. Nothing more he could do. I'm sure that he, he sounded the alarm. I'm sure he spoke words about, hey, this is not right. But at some point he said, I've got to just yield them over and surrender them over to the enemy. And that's kind of what he, that's what he's doing here. Why? So that they may learn not to blaspheme. He had done everything he could do to try to help these two these two individuals, but they chose to to stay on the side of the satanic. Okay, Paul, delivering what is what's the word? Uh, I delivered them over unto Satan. That is scriptural. Yep. Because in Romans.
2: They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate Reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient, being filled with unrighteousness. Yada yada yada. You know, I mean, that's that is, you know, that I mean, Paul's acting in a biblical manner. You know, so
0: and he and he's charging. Um, Timothy, he said, "This is a mandate. This is, this is an apostolic mandate that I'm telling you you need to do, yeah. just like he did in the first. Uh, you know, about charging him to to go to those some and tell them, don't you teach anything differently than what already been laid out for you? Yeah. I mean, that that's passion. That to me, that is true passion for." the people of God, when you can go and say, you know what, somebody's doing this and instructing you differently, this is not, the, this is not correct. And I don't know how this is going to manifest, but when it does, I believe on the inside of us, the fire of the Lord will burn and the passion of the Lord will be, be coming out of us. Our motivation will be uh, pure is what I'm saying. The Lord's Spirit will see to it. It's not like the disciples. Remember that instance where they're in, a, I think it's Samaria, and they're like, hey, let's call down fire upon these people. Jesus turns to his own disciples and says, you don't know what pneuma, what spirit you're speaking from at this point. So it's not going to be that. It's going to be we've been trained, and he's prepared us to go into the world with the truth. And as we speak the truth, it's gonna it's gonna expose lies oh, yeah. and that's what it does like the on it. yep yep um second 2 timothy 2:16 2, through 18 but shun parahesteme uh, the words that are that are being used um, the, the word there is parahesteme it means to to be a bystander to keep away from what Profane and vain babblings. Kino foneo, And it means empty sounding or fruitless discussions. Why? For they increase, and the word increase means they drive forward, they, they bring advancement and growth unto more ungodliness. <laughs> um, and their word will eat as doth the canker. And that canker there it means like uh, like an ulcer, like a gangrene is synonymous with this. And then he says, "Of whom, Hymenius and Philetus—specific names of individuals—who concerning the truth, Eleathia have erred. They've missed the mark, and they said that the resurrection is past already, and they are overthrowing the pistis of some." There's that some again. And so here we've got we've got. Um, We've all been around someone that just likes to babble. I mean, my God, you, you, you're you're thinking, do you have any meaning to what you're saying here with this conversation? It's fruitless. There's nothing, and, and that's kind of what he's saying here. And some of these teachings, like that that were mentioned just a second ago, um, with universalism and stuff like that, it's like there's there's a bunch of vain words being used and mixed together, and before you know it, it's like what are you really saying? Scott, you remember that that conversation we had about this? How I showed you a quote from this this individual and you you read it. <laughs> we were in New Modest shop and you're like it, that was his first impression was like, "What? Didn't even know what he was trying to say. That's babble. That's vain uh babble is what it is. It's empty. There's it it's meaningless." Um so that's kind of what's going on here. So we're gonna finish here in five minutes since we got started late. Now Timothy mentions, I didn't put this in, but I read it later. He refers to vain uh, uh, jangling in First Timothy 1, 6 through 7. Jangling. And if you look at it, it just means idle, senseless, mischievous talker, random talker, or, or like I just mentioned, a chatterbox is another way of saying it. Somebody that the chatterbox, all they do is just, yep, 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 and there's no real meaning to it. It's just babble, and it's chatter, and it's like... And he's saying, shun different people like that. It's useless. It leads to nothing godly. It said it leads to ungodliness here. Um, and we don't want we we to drive forward or make any advancements or growth in conjunction with things that God says are ungodly. But if, and so that's why he's using these strong words, shun, avoid, stay away from, because God knows that it's so important for all of us. So vain babblers and opposers. In 1 Timothy 6, we're on page 2 here at the very top, verses 20 and 21. Oh, Timothy, Keep, philasso, that which is committed unto your trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings. There it is again. There, avoid there is ek trepo, and it means to turn away from or deflect these empty-sounding fruitless discussions and oppositions. Anti-thesis. Uh, uh, which are just different types of conflicts, of, of theories, and all kinds of things related to science. And, I mean, he brings that in here, um, uh, so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. And then he says, Karis be with you, and he stamps it by saying, Amen, which stems from Amman in the Old Testament, staying at the right hand. Or saying, this is a word from the right hand. And I'm going to stop there. But, wow, the Apostle Paul was someone that was really, he he was really skilled at doing this. And he loved the Lord. And he loved the people of God. But when it came time to, Apostolically give words to his son and son son in the faith Timothy He was very very direct and he told him exactly what to do how to do it And you know what we are the same we're in that same walk We are called to expose the enemy and all and his lies And I just pray that the Lord will help us all when that time comes that we'll stand firm and we'll speak his word and we'll use his word to show people the true pathway and how they're to walk in it. And so I'm done. Anybody have any concluding um, comments or, or remarks you'd like to make? Fran, do you have anything you'd like to say? Or? Well, just, uh, you know,
3: we've, we've been all been around people who have a way of not listening to you. Mm-hmm. You might be trying to impart something that they won't listen to. Mm-hmm. They're so busy making up their own speech, what they're going to say, and telling you the stuff that they interrupt constantly. and you get, It's hard to reach someone like that, and that's a vain babbling. You know that's, and, they're, and you're you're buffaloed by it. I mean, you're just you're put off by it. But there's nothing that you can do about it if they won't listen to you. You know, and they're trying to, of course, change your mind. What they're doing, mm-hmm. but uh, and sometimes it can be, you know, it can happen to them through loneliness or through some other I don't know like what what may cause the vain babblings to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's people that you would think of that knew better, had always served the Lord, had been busy in the ministry, not preaching, but teaching and sure. teaching, that sort of thing. So I'm not talking about people off the street. I'm talking about believers. Sure, right. And But they still, that you can't reach them. You can't get them to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. You can't get them to see the truth. And it divides that truth. That's what Second Timothy is talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's
0: combining. Yeah. But
3: when you can't help somebody you have to just leave them
0: alone yeah that's that principle where the Apostle Paul you know and it, it's very similar where he said I've done everything I can do they are delivered over to the enemy I, I can't yeah. um, and only God knows when, when that I mean it's, it's just really sad it really is because we um, submission and humility is a part of this pathway it's a major part and at every phase, God's trying to humble us and get us to submit to his. Not, He's not forcing us, but he wants us to submit to his plan and his purpose. That's it. That's it. I don't have, it's not my plan. It's not my purpose. I don't have to figure out the, the parts of it. I just have to listen and follow his directives. And, um, you know, some in the church, they say they want to hear, but they've got deaf ears. And so, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to share. Um, I just speak blessing over those that are going to listen to this or uh, in their archives later. And, And may you just open your heart to us all in new ways as we move forward in the next phase of our development. We praise you. We give you thanks and ask it all in Jesus name. Amen.